Uh, well, Zephaniah, wow. Uh, Zephaniah, interesting little book, only three chapters, full of a lot of stuff. And so I want to do a little overview before we jump in. And, and kind of the overview goes like this. Zephaniah was a prophet who lived at the tail end of the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is about to cease to exist. As we know it, it's going to be demolished. Um, and so uh, he, he prophesies, uh, we like to say during the reign of King Josiah, but the truth is Josiah dies uh, while Zephaniah is a prophet. Because Josiah, and maybe you remember Josiah, who came in and brought in all the great reforms. He saw Israel in the moral decay and uh, in all the corruptness. And he said, man, we, we've got to um, recapture and reclaim the word of God. And so he, he started changing things and, and doing things right and getting rid of idols. But then uh, in pride, he rides out in battle against Babylon and is killed. And Zephaniah knew all that was going to happen. Uh, he prophesied then about what's going to happen to, to what's left of Jerusalem or the kingdom of Judah. Uh, what's going to then happen to the surrounding nations. And ultimately what's going to happen to the entire earth. And that is the weightiness of the book of Zephaniah. So with that in mind, I just want you to know it's not one of your light and fluffy weeks in God's Word, okay? So buckle up, be ready, um, but these, these, while these are hard things to hear, there's also beauty at the end of the book, like there has been with most of the minor prophets. There is a message of hope for God's people, and so we want to cover all those things. So we, when we talk about the major themes of Zephaniah, I think there's three. Uh, here's the first. I, I think the first lesson we learn from Zephaniah is that God's wrath and judgment will one day sweep over all the earth. Let me say that again. God's wrath and judgment will one day sweep over all of the earth. And the book really begins here. In fact, if you read the first couple of verses of Zephaniah, it becomes evident that what Zephaniah is basically doing is undoing the creation account. Uh, that, that's, that's what it sounds like. Let's look at it. Verse 2 and 3, and uh, this is what the Word of God says. Uh, I, God's speaking, I will completely sweep away everything from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's declaration. I will sweep away people and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and the ruins along with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's uh, declaration. And uh, this is going to happen in phases. Uh, in, in, like most prophecy, there's an initial fulfillment and ultimate fulfillment. And so this happens in phases. It begins with Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem and, and all that it, it uh, had, had believed in uh, itself. God's going to sweep all of that away. He's going to sweep away the walls. He's going to sweep away the temple. He's going to sweep away all of the idols and all of the high places. God's going to sweep away uh, everything they've trusted in. Uh, but then um, God is also going to sweep away the foreign nations that swept away Jerusalem, uh, right? He, these Babylonians that invade, they're going to be done away with. And, and, uh, and eventually God is going to sweep away the next people and, and he'll, he'll sweep away the Greeks when they come. And he'll sweep away the Romans when they take... Like, like God is, is going to do this. And so Zephaniah mentions all of these nations. Uh, he mentions a nation from the north and a nation from the south and a nation from the east and a nation from the west. And God says like, hey, uh, initial fulfillment, all of these nations, all these horrible things going on, I'm going to take care of that. Um, but all of that points to what's coming. And that's kind of the second phase. And really what Zephaniah ultimately, the ultimate fulfillment is, is found in what we might call uh, the end times or Armageddon. Uh, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. 
When you hear the word Armageddon, you think the book of Revelation. You know, we like to think, I don't know about you guys, I prefer to think about Jesus coming back and, and you know, woo, it's going to be great. Uh, but remember that heaven, um, heaven, as it's spoken of in the Bible, is, is it's actually a new earth. It's, it's new heaven and new earth. Heaven comes down here to a new earth. The only way that the earth is made new uh, is it's going to be destroyed. I, it's hard to think through that we don't enjoy that. That's not, I know, I'm telling you, this is not the cheery portion of the message, but that is the reality. And so when we think about the book of Revelation, we think about God's wrath being poured out upon all of the earth. Um, and, and we have a tendency to think that, you know, wrath, anger, those kind of things. But, but God's wrath, his, his fire, as it's described in the Bible, is, is actually not meant to destroy, it's meant to purify. And so God is, is going to pour out his wrath in order to make everything clean so that he can live with us on a new clean earth and heaven will be here and God will be ours and it will be awesome. But for that to happen, things will get very, very, very bad. All right? And so you just, we kind of, Zephaniah opens the gates to all of that. You're welcome. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Uh, that, that is, I'm going, Lord, really, this is the first, so that's the first lesson, is that God's wrath and judgment will one day sweep over all of the earth. Uh, the news gets worse um, with the second point. Here we go. Uh, ready? Um, I want you to know that nothing that we typically put our trust in will be able to save or protect us on that day. Say that again, okay? Nothing that we typically put our trust in will be able to save or or protect us on that day. So when this great day of the Lord comes, uh, none of our typical sources of safety or security will be able to save us, right? Our money won't be able to save us. Uh, doesn't matter how rich our nation is. Uh, doesn't matter how many nuclear bombs we have. Doesn't matter if we've got the coolest uh, sea-fearing vessels or aircraft. None of that matters. It doesn't matter about our defenses. It doesn't matter about our walls. It doesn't matter how many guns you possess. It doesn't matter how much canned food you have stored up in some cellar. Uh, none of that matters when the day of the Lord comes. In fact, here's what the Word of God says. Zephaniah 1.18. Again, this is God's Word. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, their silver and their gold will be unable to rescue them on the day of the Lord's wrath. The whole earth will be consumed by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete, yes, a horrifying end of all of the inhabitants on earth. How many of you have heard that preached in church before? Occasionally, right? Like, not often. It's rough. It's rough. I want you to think about this with me. Think about, let's just talk about Jerusalem. So Jerusalem had its walls to protect it. God says, nope, those aren't going to work. Jerusalem had all kinds of wealth. Uh, I, mean, I mean, during this period, in fact, I mean, that, that's one of God's judgments against Jerusalem is that the wealthy were just getting more and more wealthy, right? Lots of Bezos in Jerusalem. Sorry, did I say that out loud? I think it slipped. Um, it, <laughs> Bezos and Branson, anybody else that wants to build their own spaceship, God bless you while people are starving all over the earth. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, anyway, sorry, I just, just it's there. Uh, and, and so all, none of their wealth is going to save them. Not going to save, you can be a billionaire, doesn't matter, right? Uh, their, 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 pol their politics aren't going to save them. Jerusalem was, was political, man. 
Uh, this, this nation that was supposed to only have one king who was God, super political. Uh, not only do they have little kings that are under other countries, uh, but they, they've made truces with all the surrounding... They think that their truces are going to save them from invasion. They're not going to save them. Their feelings aren't going to save them. That's, uh, that's American culture there for you. They, they, they felt good. Uh, listen, God, part of God's problem is the way that they chose to quote-unquote worship. They would go sleep with temple prostitutes. And, and man, I mean, they, they, were, they were very much enjoying life. And God's like, no, doesn't matter how you feel, that ain't going to save you either. Uh, their reason wasn't going to save them, right? They believe like God's never going to do anything to us. We're His children. We're His chosen one. Said to Abraham, like, are their reasonings like, no, we're good. We're the covenant promise kids. Like, God can't do that to us. Their religion wasn't going to save them right they were going through every ritual box checking thing that you could imagine they're still going to a temple they're still making quote-unquote sacrifices uh even though they're doing it to idols like like they they thought that they were good and god's like guess what none of that is going to save you from what's coming now that's true of jerusalem then it's true from every other nation and it's true for all of us at the end of times that nothing that we typically turn to and put our trust in is going to save us from what's coming. Because that is the reality of God's Word. That is the truth. And listen, I, I, don't, I don't know what you've been storing up your treasure in, right? I, I don't know what it is you've thought, man, you know what, if I can just get my 401k to this level. Oh man, property's crazy. If we could just own some more property, then we're going to be okay. You know what? If our country can just build that stinking wall, uh, w w fill in the blank wherever it is. If we, if we, if we, you know, get some new weapon, I tell you, no nuclear weapon on the face of the planet can save you from the wrath of God when it's poured out on humanity. Just can't. No amount of money that you have, no amount of silver, no amount of gold, no amount of guns, no amount of cash. Food or yeah, I mean it's not. It's just not going to work. It's just not going to work in that day. It's not. So that's the bad news. Zephaniah, quietest day in church we've had in a while. All right, here we go. But point three, third lesson we learned. This is a big deal, right? Only God Himself has the power to save us and bring us. Only God himself has the power to save us and bring us peace. So the question you should ask as you read Zephaniah, especially Zephaniah chapter 1 and chapter 2, is like, oh, okay, then what hope is there? What, what can save us? What, what can save humanity? That's the question you ask. What, what can save us? It's actually the wrong question because it's not a what. It's a who. Who can save us? And Zephaniah says, God himself. Zephaniah 3.17, uh, this is from the NIV. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with singing. Just walk through that scripture with me, right? The Lord your God is with you. What's Jesus' name? Emmanuel. Right? Isn't that what the angel of the Lord says? You're going to give him the name Emmanuel. God is with you. It says uh, he's mighty to save. That's what Christ came to do. The Bible actually boasts everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Would say, how, how many people can he really save? How mighty can he be? 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone! Right? Not just Baptists. Not just Methodists. Not just the Pentecostals. Right? Not just the white people. Not just the people in the United States of America. The people in all places, in all nations, of all tongues. Everyone who calls, Lord, save me, will be saved. That's what the Bible declares. It's crazy. He's mighty to save. He's with us. And through Him, we become sons and daughters of God. And I kind of want to paint the picture of the last part of that Scripture. It says, He will quiet you with His love, and He will rejoice over you with singing. Here's my interpretation. You don't have to agree with it. I don't know about you. All this stuff scares me to death. I'll just be honest. It's one of the reasons I don't love reading Revelation. And I know there's a lot of people that make theological determinations, they just go, well, I, I, I believe it's pre-trip, so none of that stuff applies to me. It's a real easy way to read the Bible, I guess, but we, that's, that's, that's an interpretation. Like, we don't know that. So when I read the Bible open-handed, and I don't know that that's the case, and I, I read about what's coming, and it, it is scary to me. And I believe when it happens, it is going to be scary to those that are there, those that trust in God. And so here's the imagery that I get when, when it talks about God singing over you, right? That, that He quiets you with His love. Here's my imagery. Uh, how many of you remember when you were a little kid? Anybody still have memories of when they were a kid, kid? You remember you were a kid? Anybody remember being a kid in a really bad storm? I mean, the thunder shaking the house kind of storm. Anybody been in one of those? Thunder is shaking. The windows are rattling. Did anybody have one of those houses? I don't even. I don't think my windows are made out of real glass anymore. I don't know. I think it's plastic. It doesn't make the same. Like I thought things were breaking. Like I thought I was going to die. I, I remember the storms. And 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 listen, single mom raised me. So there's only one place to run. I was running to my mom. Right. And and as a kid, freaked out in a storm. What does a parent do? They pick up their child. And they calm them down. They quiet them with their love. That's what they do. And often it involves singing. Right? Think about those moments. Maybe that's going on and the power's out and you're freaking out. And they sing. Maybe get out the little candle and you're singing, This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. It's okay. This little light of mine. The imagery that I get when I read Zephaniah chapter 3, and I hear that God Himself will be with me, and He's mighty to save, and He will quiet me and calm me with His love, and He will sing over me, is that image. A God who is my parent, and I am His legitimate child, and I am dearly loved, and He says, I got you. Shh. I know this is scary, but I've got you. And that's what God does for his kids. That's the beautiful promise at the end of Zephaniah. Hard book to study. Hard things to think about. But the beauty in it is that God protects his children. He quiets his children. He sings over his children. So listen, I know thinking about those things may freak you out a little bit. They freak a lot of people out. I don't want you to be anxious. Neither does God. It says, don't be anxious about it, anything, but in everything, present your request to me. 
right? So I don't want you to be anxious about it, but I want you to know that it's coming, which kind of leads to our application. So what do, you, what do you do with Zephaniah? When you read Zephaniah and you're reminded, oh my gosh, there's a whole part of the Bible that I don't like to think about. So what do you do? Number one, you understand what's coming. You understand what's coming, right? Uh, I grew up in uh, the Houston area, so most of my life was spent in Houston. And then before we came to uh, live here and be with you guys, uh, we had come off of five years in the Panhandle. I, uh, I love the people in the Panhandle. I didn't love the weather in the Panhandle, even though we got snow occasionally, uh, because we lived in an area, once you kind of get to that section, you're up so high, you kind of are in uh, the tornado area, where all of a sudden, like, life is great, and then something drops out of the sky, right? And so, I don't know, I saw the movie Twister, uh, like, after, like, when I was in college or something, I remember the movie Twister freaked me out. I had this horrible fear of tornadoes, uh, because they come out of nowhere, and just, ah! Um, and so, so like, but here's, here's the deal. Um, I'm much better with hurricanes. Now, hurricanes typically do significantly uh, more wider damage, um, but I'm okay with them. I grew up with them, but I'm okay with them because you know what's coming. Because you know what's coming. Listen, God's judgment, while it may have an aspect, like, like listen, the end is going to come. It is going to drop quickly. But we have been warned. See, it's also a hurricane. While it's, it's kind of like a tornado, that, like, it, will, it, it will appear out of nowhere. That, that is true. But the truth is God has said, hey, here's the path, and you're in it. Right? We know what is coming. So step one for us is just to understand it, to know that's the case. Okay, step two, to make sure that we have a right view of our resources to make sure that we have a right view of our resources. So in Houston, occasionally, you get to the point that you go, okay, a hurricane is coming, but it's only a Category 2. <laughs> Just a Category 2, it's fine. So what you do is you go to the store, you make sure you have batteries, and you make sure your lights work, and you, you buy, uh, you know, five gallons of water, and everybody else buys five. Get anything that you can eat without a heat source, uh, and, and, you know, you ride it out. Uh, and, you, you, you know, sometimes we, we didn't have the money for lumber. Sometimes we would duct tape our windows, and so just if they did break, they'd all kind of clump together at least. And, so, and there were a few storms that we rode out, uh, because and, and you always look at your resources. Uh, here's the deal, though. We're not talking about a Category 2. We're talking about devastation that you couldn't even put on a scale. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Uh, in our church, we have people from all walks of life. Some of you are just starting out, right? And your resources aren't as great as some of those that are on the tail end. But it doesn't matter. Because your resources will not cut it against what's coming. They will. Absolutely not. Say, well, I've, I've got a plane. I can get out. It ain't going to work. God's, God's judgment. Whole earth. It's coming. So, so we, we understand what's coming. We get a right view of our resources. We're pretty much bankrupt. Which leads just to the last part. Because in humility, we cry out to Jesus for salvation.
in humility we cry out to Jesus for salvation. Humility uh, defined is just a modest view of oneself. It's just having a modest view of oneself. How, how do you get a modest view of yourself? Well, I think as a person, because we tend to not be very modest, we look at a holy God, right? We understand that we've sinned against a holy God. We understand His wrath, which is right, by the way. It's rightful wrath. Uh, just telling you, you, you kill one of my children, it's on. They can lock me up. Do not care. Right? It's, it's a rightful wrath. You remember the parable of, of the vineyards? And, and the, the owner of the vineyards finally sends his own son. He sent the messengers and they killed the messengers. He sends his own son and they killed the son. What does he do eventually? He sends the armies and he has them slaughtered. And he starts all over again. God is going to send the army. And we will not be able to stand against it. That's the truth. Right? So, so listen. I understand that God is holy. I understand that I have sinned against him by killing his own son. I understand that his vengeance is right and it's coming at me. So what do I do? I then look and I realize there is nothing that I have that can protect me from that. And so I cry out, God, have mercy. I'm sorry. Please save me. I am sorry. And that's what salvation is. And if you're here today in this room, there's probably a good chance that you've already done that. But if you haven't, I want you to know that it's not too late. All you have to do is cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Please save me. Same for you guys at home. You just have to say, God, I'm sorry. Please save me. Forgive me. Come into my life. And he will. And you will be his. And on that day, Instead of having to face that wrath, you can face your Father and have Him hold you and quiet you and sing over you. All right? Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, tough books like Zephaniah that call us back to the truth of what your second coming really all entails. I think sometimes in the New Testament, we, um, we focus so much on, on the beauty and the majesty and, uh, of the second coming. We want to see you so badly that we forget that for the new heaven and new earth to be here, that the old has to be destroyed and it's not going to be pretty. God, help us remain faithful in the in-between. Help us keep this mindset of, of what reality is. We live in a world that is like clueless about what's coming. And help us be people that know it, that live it, and that share it with others. Please, Jesus, in your name we ask these things. Amen.